the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. It's the word of the Lord. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, we just uh, thank you and come before you now and ask that as we walk through uh, this passage in Hebrews, that you would open up our hearts and ears Uh, that you would help us to see you and encounter you in a new way this morning as we end uh, 2021 and reflect on uh, the Incarnation this morning. It's in your beautiful name. Amen. Um, When I was a kid, I... uh, and, And I can't think of a specific memory, but maybe you guys can relate to this I guess, feeling I had as a child. Um, I remember a time I was listening to someone speak, and they told a story, and in the story, I resonated with something that they were saying, uh, because I had had a common experience that they were sharing. Does that make sense? I, I, I heard them, and at first it was like, oh, this is so boring, and then like your ears kind of perk up, right? Like when you hear it, when they say the thing that you relate to. And your ears perk, and you're like, oh, oh, okay, well, maybe I do want to hear what this person has to say. They know what it's like to be me, perhaps, and I want to, I want to uh, hear what they have to say to me. Then, then you generally listen. Um, I've had that experience myself when I'm teaching youth, and I guess maybe the blessing and the curse of growing up in Big Sandy is everybody remembers me from when I was a kid, and it's both good and bad, because I did a lot of fun things as a child here in Big Sandy. Um, but when I, when I tell stories that relate to my past to youth kids, and I'm honest with them, and I tell them the gritty, I don't hold back too much, and, and when I tell them that, they generally perk up. They're generally like, oh, so maybe he does know what it's like to be an angsty teenager and make stupid choices. Oh, maybe he understands. I can sympathize with that experience. I know what that's like. Um, it happens sometimes even when we listen to music, right? Like maybe, for me, I, music is like, I love music. I listen to it all the time. Ask my wife. I generally have an AirPod in my ear and I'm listening to something. And I, and I love it because um, a lot of times I will find a song that resonates with me, not only musically, like the melody will just, it'll just hit different. You know what I'm saying? You'll just be like, wow, that is powerful. But then the lyrics come in, right? And the lyrics are powerful because all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I, I get it. I understand what they're trying to communicate. I've felt that. I know what that experience is like. I was able to empathize and feel with them. And therefore, now the song has much more meaning for me because I was able to sympathize with it. I was able to relate to it, right? And for all of us as humans, a beauty of the human experience is that when we, when we mesh with someone, when we have an encounter with someone and we can relate to them, it's powerful. 
It changes us. All of you have that experience as kids or as young adults or even as older adults. As you go through life, we all have experiences where we can relate with someone. Someone says something, someone does something, and you're like, I've been there. You know, um, maybe you've broken a bone in your body and experienced that excruciating pain. And you see someone else go through that, and you're like, oh, yeah, I've been there. I can empathize with you. I've experienced that, right? Like we all have had those kind of experiences in life. And this morning, we're going to look at this last section of the incarnation, and my hope is to show you a Jesus who can sympathize with us, who has experienced what we have experienced. So far, we have kind of walked through this Advent season looking at different aspects of the Incarnation. Um, And, you know, we've, and maybe not as meshly as, well, anyways, we've been reflecting on the Incarnation, and it's been awesome. It's been a little different than normal, uh, at least for me, it's, it's a little different than normal Christmas season sermons. Um, because as awesome as it is to, you know, look at the passage that talks about the angels coming and serenading the shepherds at night, right? Like those are awesome things to, to preach on and experience and talk about. To take a step back and just reflect on the incarnation itself and what it means, what it means theologically, but also what it means for us personally, like it's been a powerful thing for me to just be able to study and reflect on that. And, and so we're going to finish up today by looking at this passage in Hebrews. So let's start in verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. So, and, and a few things real quick. Hebrews, we don't know who the author is. I think Eric would argue that it was Paul and he has good arguments. I, we actually don't know. I don't, it's debated. It's highly debated. And, and so it's an unknown author. The key thing about the book of Hebrews is that it was written to a church. We don't know specifically, most likely a church in Rome. And it was written to a church that was experiencing heavy persecution and suffering. They were hurting. And because of their heavy persecution and suffering, they were doubting. And they were, um, I mean, Isn't that a natural occurrence for us? When we hurt, we doubt. We doubt the goodness of God. We doubt so-and-so loves us. I'm hurt. Right? That's that's what we naturally do. And, And so naturally this church is hurting. And so the emphasis in the whole book of Hebrews is on the centrality of Christ. The Hebrews, the author of Hebrews wants us to have confidence in who Christ is, in his deity and in his humanity. And so when we get to this portion of the, of the passage, you don't have to run the slides. I have the remote on my, so you can leave it. Okay. <laughs> Just want to make sure. All right. Um, and, and so this, this first part of the passage, as we look into it, he is, again, he's talking to a hurting church. He's talking to a church that has experienced heavy suffering and loss. And they're hurting. And so he's trying to empathize with them, but he's also trying to point them towards why Christ is 
awesome and central and why everything that he did mattered and why Jesus is the final word and authority of God. That when we look at Jesus and his life and his ministry, his death, his resurrection, all of it, is, it, it worked. It's true. It's real. And, and so as we look at this, that's what he's trying to do. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, when you see this share in flesh and blood, it's talking about human nature, right? Since we're all humans, we all have human nature. And most of the time when you see this usage of this word flesh and blood, it's meaning mostly focused on human nature in its weakness, right? Which of course we don't like because we're prideful, right? We don't like talking about the fact that we're weak. We don't like talking about the fact that like we're frail. You know, I think it was my 30th birthday, I walked up the stairs. I was literally just walking, and my knee popped, and it hurt very badly. And I literally was just walking up the stairs. I didn't, like, jump up the stairs. I didn't skip a step or nothing. I just, one step, crack, huh? It was a very painful experience. And I'm sure most of you can empathize, right? You can sympathize with that, maybe? You, you've had that kind of experience. And so, when you see this, we see the children share in flesh and blood, This is referring to Jesus. He himself likewise partook of the same things. That Jesus went from being fully God, from being fully sovereign, king, all-powerful, almighty, outside of space and time, able to see the beginning from the end in an instant, knowing all things, subjected himself to becoming weakness. And he partook in the same things. And why? He did that so that through death he might destroy the one who has power over death. That is Satan. Essentially, to defeat Satan or destroy death and Satan, he made them ineffective and inoperable. They don't work anymore. They don't have the same effect as they should anymore. He defeated death by dying. It's hard for us to maybe grasp this idea of like why would someone have to come and die in order to defeat death. It seems like, I mean, God, you're so big, you could have just come down and just, I don't know, kicked him. And I mean, that would have been enough because you're God. And we can wrestle all day with this idea of why it had to be death and why he chose to do it this way. And one of the reasons I love studying theology is, is we, can, we can study that in depth. And a lot of the times the, the answers aren't maybe comforting, or a lot of the times um, we're just going to be more confused by the end of the discussion because it's a deep God thing that we're not meant to fully understand. There's a mystery to it. But one thing that I'll offer is that by understanding this, or by seeing why, or maybe not necessarily knowing why God chose to do it this way, but by seeing it from this perspective, we can see that God is showing us part of his character by choosing to save us in this way. What humility it takes. What humility it takes to completely strip yourself of all power to save me. I don't deserve to be saved. 
Most days I don't feel like I deserve to even <laughs> call myself a minister because I just am so unworthy of it most of the time. I'm so sinful and prone to wander and prone to forget and prone to rely on my own strength instead of his. And like, Why would he do that? Why would he do that for you? You can relate, right? You are weak just like me. You are sinful just like me. And yet he was willing to do that. He was willing to strip himself of all of that to defeat death. It shows us humility. It shows us his grace. He became weak in order to save the weak. How powerful is that? Like we love a good superhero movie, right? Like I love superhero movies. They're my favorite. Like I just saw the new Spider-Man movie. I won't give away spoilers, but it was probably one of the greatest things ever in the movie realm. You know what I'm saying. It was just really awesome. I nerd out with that stuff. Like I get super excited. It asked my wife. I think I embarrassed her in the movie theater because I was like cheering. And it, was, it was a really good experience. But what I like about superhero movies, especially like Spider-Man, is nothing like he always finds a way to outwit the bad guys. He always finds a way. He has like that spidey sense so no one can ever get anything past him. Right? Like he's always alerted. He knows when danger's afoot. And he's, and he's really strong. And he's awesome. And I'll stop talking about Spider-Man now. But my point is, is in our experience, what we want is for God to be the Spider-Man who comes down and just... Right? And that's going to come someday. But what did he do first? He became a baby. A little itty-bitty baby. And then he grew up and lived his life. Um, and actually, I have a quote uh, from a guy named Max Lucado, and he said it really well, and I'll just read it to you, regarding Jesus' humanity. He said, Angels watched as Mary changed God's diaper. The universe watched with wonder as the Almighty learned to walk. Children played in the street with him, and had the synagogue leader in Nazareth known who he was listening to his sermons. Like he was taught. Jesus may have had pimples. He may have been tone deaf. Perhaps a girl down the street had a crush on him or vice versa. It could be that his knees were bony. One thing is for sure. He was, while completely divine, completely human. For 33 years, he would feel everything you and I have ever felt. He felt weak. He grew weary. He was afraid of failure. He was susceptible to wooing. He got cold, he burped, he had body odor, his feelings got hurt, his feet got tired, and he got headaches. To think of Jesus in such a light is, well, it seems almost irreverent, doesn't it? It's not something we like to do. It's uncomfortable. It is much easier to keep the humanity out of the incarnation, clean the manure from around the manger, wipe the sweat out of his eyes, and pretend he never snored or blew his nose or hit his thumb with a hammer. He experienced all the things that we experienced, right? And really the first reason he did that was to defeat death and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so were you. Right? 
But what about this first part? Jesus didn't come to save angels. He came to save us. But he also came to deliver us from what? The fear of death. The fear of death. I think it's, <laughs> in our day and age, can we not relate to this? Do you not, like, through this pandemic that we've lived through in the last couple years, have we not noticed and seen that humans are still quite fragile and quite afraid of dying? And what your take is on the whole issue doesn't matter. I'm not here to debate that. But either way, the one thing that is true throughout it all is that, one, we still haven't cured everything through our own means, right? And, and two, we're still very much afraid of death. Like, get on the Internet sometime and watch videos of people responding to stuff. It's, we're afraid of death. But not so for the Christian. We are not called to fear death. Because when we look at the Incarnation... When we look at God becoming a man, we see death defeated. And therefore, our fear is null and void. We no longer need to fear death. That doesn't mean we're, you know, dumb and we don't take care of ourselves or we're not smart. Like, we need to do that. We need to take care of ourselves. God's given us modern medicine and we can do that. We're blessed in our time, especially, to have the ability to do that. But Ultimately, we do not fear death because we know when we focus our eyes on Christ and who he is, we know that death has ultimately been defeated. And we know that ultimately we will face death, and when that death does come, glory. We will stand face to face with our maker, and it won't be, it'll be my child. Right? We don't have to fear death anymore. That's what this Hebrews author is trying to tell us, because as we look at the incarnation, as we look at this humanity of Jesus, we see that he has delivered us from death, ultimately, because of what he did on the cross. Through his death, he defeated death. But he's also delivered us from a fear of death, because our confidence no longer lies in our abilities. It no longer lies on our medicines. It no longer relies on anything but him. And so at the end of the day, all of our human efforts will fail, but he will not. And therefore, we no longer need to fear death because of it. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. To make propitiation for the sins of the people. Propitiation, it's a big fancy word, essentially means that it's wrath averted away. We deserve God's wrath, right? This is one of the fun parts of the gospel. We just do. We by nature are weak and sinful. We are by nature a people who choose sin over God every time. We are by nature people who go, God, I want nothing to do with you, but I'll take your things. Right? That is us. That's what we do. And when we fully grasp that, when we fully understand that, it makes the cross and his grace so much more powerful. 
Because propitiation essentially means that the wrath that was supposed to be poured on us like a fire hose was poured out on Christ instead. The hose was literally moved over to him. And so he came down to be the propitiation for our sins. He did that as a faithful high priest in the service of God. He fully submitted. And and as we reflect again on the incarnation, we look at this idea of him being fully human. Right? He was able to empathize with us because he was one of us. He became fully human because only a human could take on the wrath of God deserved to other humans. A lamb and a dove and a goat were never meant to do it. They were meant to be pitchers, representations of something future that would have to be done. So only a human could be sacrificed for humans. And so Jesus was fully human. And therefore his sacrifice counts. And so we can experience the incarnation this morning for us. We can experience the incarnation as we reflect on this Christmas season by realizing that like he loved us that much that he was willing to come down and become fully like us so that he could save us from our sinfulness, so that he could save us from the wrath of God. That's powerful. The incarnation is so Wonderful. It is so beyond our comprehension. And he not only came to be that propitiation, but he's also our great helper. Right? For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And one of the beautiful things about this little text right here, 17 and 18, is that it's merely an introduction to what the author of Hebrews is going to do through the rest of the book. Because the rest of the book of Hebrews, or the rest of the letter of Hebrews, is going to be the author articulating to the suffering church, hey, Jesus is a great high priest who knows what it's like to suffer, and he can be a help to you when you're being tempted. Right? He can empathize with us. And this is just the, uh, just the introduction but the full point of this passage this morning, and, and really what I want you guys to get out of this, is I want you to encounter the incarnation in a new way by, one, seeing the point, right? Like, I love that Rebecca played that song. It's, it's ultimately about the cross at the end of the day. The manger's great. The story of his birth is great. The angels singing to a bunch of lowly, unworthy shepherds who were the scum of the earth to some people in those societal days. Like, that's awesome. And it's true, and it happened, and it's worth praising God about. But at the end of the day, all of that leads to the cross. And so we need to hear that message over and over again. It might not be in season because we're supposed to be talking about baby Jesus. But at the end of the day, baby Jesus always eventually grows up and dies on the cross for our sins. Easter, right? It's always in season. Always. And so we need, to, we need to soak in that truth. We need to see the incarnation from the light of the fact that he was fully God and he became full humanity to die and save us, but also to empathize with us. Because it's so much more powerful when you, you meet someone, encounter someone, 
who knows what it's like to be you. When you talk to someone and you're trying to help them, one thing you have to do, right, is put yourself in their shoes. Try to feel what they feel. You know, I've, I've had conversations with people who are, who are uh, suffering because a loved one is going through cancer. And I can put myself in their shoes. I know what that's like. My mom had cancer. It's not a fun time. I can hurt with them. I can sympathize with them. And the gospel is powerful because Jesus didn't just come and die, but he knows what it's like to be us. He knows what it's like to be fully human. And he's, he knows what it's like to be a perfect human. He was a perfect human. We struggle with this idea of humanity because when we think about humanity, we automatically assume it's imperfections, right? Like that's our instinct. Humans are frail. Humans are weak, like I've said. And it's true. But when Jesus came down and became a human, he was true, perfect humanity as it was meant to be. And he did it perfectly. And he did it perfectly. He's able to intercede with us. We can look at Christ and see what humanity was supposed to be like. We can also rejoice because the instinct, again, is to not, like, not be a fan of our humanness, to not be a fan of our physical bodies, to think it's gross and icky and wrong. Right? But the beauty of Jesus becoming a human, it shows us that humanity is good in a sense. Right? It's okay to be a human. It's okay to be flesh and blood. It's okay to be excited. It's okay to take care of your bodies. It's okay to do all of these things because Jesus became a human to show us what humanity is supposed to be like. And that's another thing we can get. That's another way we can encounter the incarnation is by looking to Jesus as the perfect example. Because he was, right? He was sinless. He never sinned. Therefore, we can look at his life we can reflect on his life and look to him as the example for how we're supposed to strive to act like. Not that we're going to do it perfectly, because we're not. You're going to fall on your face pretty much every day. Expect it. Sorry. It's just the truth. And those of you who are older than me, you know. You, can, you understand. One thing I've learned as I've gotten older is, man, I'm weak. Oh, I mess up a lot. And I'm only in my 30s. Hopefully I'll be blessed with a long life to continue to figure out how weak I really am and how much more I actually need the incarnation and how much more I actually want to be like Christ. It should compel us. It should compel us to want to strive to be like him. And so this morning as we wrap up Christmas, right, now it's time to prepare for New Year's. We're going to take the Christmas decorations down. We're going to put them back in the totes and throw them in storage. We're going to be done with, you know, our Christmas music. And for some of you, you're excited about that. But for me, I'm actually sad because I really enjoy Christmas music. But until next year, we're going to put all that aside and we're going to go back to our normal life, quote unquote. Christmas time is over. Remember the impact of the incarnation. 
encounter Jesus in a new way, that when you look at his, when you look at the Gospels and you look at his life, you encounter the fact that he knows what it's like to be you and he can sympathize with you. And that his life, death, and resurrection actually has an impact on your life because he actually died bodily for your sins. That sacrifice matters. That death shows us his grace and humility. And then it also shows us his love for us. And honestly, I I pray that that would be on your hearts and minds this morning. The incarnation is something that we can encounter in in our day-to-day life. Because, again, somebody who empathizes with you impacts you, right? Like when someone can relate to your experience, you get it. You're like, oh, yeah. Like your ears perk. You want to hear what they have to say. Jesus knows what it's like to be you. Therefore, listen and encounter him in a new way as you go through the rest of this season. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you know what it's like to be us, that you know what it's like to hurt and to doubt and to fear, that you know what it's like to uh, be embarrassed, you know what it's like to um, smell bad, all of these things. And I pray that this would be on our hearts and minds today and throughout this week, that we can be uh, impacted by you coming down for us to save us, that the incarnation actually isn't just some in-the-clouds idea that has no impact on our personal lives, but that it impacts every part of our lives. And help us to see it. Help us to uh, encounter it in new ways as we go about this new year. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Have an awesome week, guys.